our identity in Christ, it's far above, far beyond normal human understanding and experience. It cannot be fathomed by a normal human brain. You have to be new. You have to be regenerated in order to understand the deeper spiritual things. Because it is supernatural and because it is rooted in eternity. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. So one way to get us all in a place of unity is to ask, do you believe that the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, is the Word of God? Do you believe that? All right. So do you believe that God expects his people who read his word to obey his word? Twelve of you. All right. Now, <laughs> will you choose today to hear his word and to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word? Will you agree to do that? All right. Good. Then, I, then we can work together. <laughs> the word of God is a double-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow and it reveals the stuff that sometimes is not lacquer for us to hear and it might challenge us and I do believe that today's word is both encouraging but at the same time sobering and, and might challenge us in quite a few ways. So I trust the Holy Spirit to, to really speak to us today as we go through this. All right, those of you who have been with us for a while you'll know that two weeks ago we saw from scripture as we were celebrating Heritage Day that heaven is our heritage. How many of you know that if you are born again, heaven is your heritage? Amen? Because you've died to self, you've died to the culture you grew up in, and now you've got a new culture, a heavenly culture. Amen? We saw from the word of God that as born again believers, we are seated where? Heavenly places. We are seated in heavenly places as citizens of heaven. Do you know that you get a new passport with all the visas required for heaven when you get born again? Amen. You don't have to stand in line. <laughs> you get your visa. And we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And this position is in the third heaven next to Jesus who's next to the Father. We saw that from the scriptures. Now I I'm saying this again because I want to remind you that this is also scripture. And you just said that you believe the word of God. And I want you to know that as we go into today's message, you need to know and start to choose to believe that you are seated in heavenly places, a citizen of heaven, in this world but not from this world, and that you have a mission for Jesus. Amen? Great. And you have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I wonder if any one of you can count the amount of spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Anyone know how many there are? How many of you tried to access? 
You see, there's room. There's room, <laughs> there's room for us to grow in our spiritual experience. Amen? Okay. Then last week, we, st- we saw from 2 Corinthians that the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is? Or liberty is the other word. And we saw how we all need to remove and our cultural and religious veils the same way Paul was speaking about how the Jews who hang on to Moses and do not let Christ become their Messiah, they have a veil over their eyes. But in the same way, some of us might still have veils from the cultures that we grew up in and the things that we were exposed to. And we need to make sure that we are not coming to Christ with all that ritual and man-made and, you know, everything that comes with that baggage. Why? So that we can step into the fullness of what God has for us in Christ Jesus. The full liberty, the full freedom, not half, not a little bit, all of what Christ has died for. How many of you would like to access everything that Christ died for and not be held back by your own thinking, by stinking thinking like they say? We want to be in the fullness, right? Amen. Now, these two messages we did the last two weeks, they encapsulate our God-given position, which is heaven, and our God-given state. We are free in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? You are free in Christ Jesus, and you are seated in heavenly places. You remember that very nice chair in heaven from where you can reach and just get all the heavenly spiritual blessings, amen? I want you to see that. I want you to imagine that. It's possible. It is available. Now, both these truths are linked to our identity in Christ, which surpasses normal human understanding and experience. Do you understand that? That our identity in Christ, it's it's far above, far beyond normal human understanding and experience. It cannot be fathomed by a normal human brain. You have to be new. You have to be regenerated in order to understand the deeper spiritual things. Because, it's a sup- because it is supernatural and because it is rooted in eternity, it's a supernatural thing to become born again. Did you know that? How many of you guys enjoy superheroes movies and stories? How many of you enjoy that? Come on, be honest. Some are like going, if I put my hand up, someone's going to think I'm a demonic. No. <laughs> some of them are, I'm, you know. But in general, you know, if you like Superman because he can do some amazing things, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I even have my Superman, you see that? Cufflinks. My mom gave it to me. And, but, but the reason that we as people are fascinated by superhero stories is because we look at that and something on the inside of us that God put there, a, a, a sense of the supernatural, a something of knowing that we are more than this physical body, more than this physical world. There's something about it that attracts us to it. Now the problem is the enemy will always give a counterfeit for what God has made to be beautiful and amazing. And we grab to the counterfeit, why? Because the counterfeit of what God wants for you will always be pleasing to the flesh. What God actually has for you will call you to die more to self. So we look at what God offers and we go, that looks tough. And we look at what the world offers and we go, "Mm, that's nice for my flesh. 
So we tend to want to dive into that. So we have people who are fascinated with, with fantasy movies and things about vampires and zombies and all these superheroes who can do these amazing things. And there was a point where it was all about the superhero being amazing and doing the right thing. And then they had to color them, you know, and make them a bit more devious and make them a bit more off-center because the world has become so off-center. If you give them a proper superhero, they get offended. And, and, but we are still fascinated by the supernatural. But God has a better plan than what the world can offer. He hasn't made you superman. He's made you supernatural man. So when I put these cufflings on, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. In Jesus, I'm supernatural man. All right? And it sounds funny, but it's just a way to, to remember who I actually am in Christ. Amen? Now, be, because, of, because God created time and is therefore outside of it and not limited by it, when we are reconciled to him, he, our eternal father, through Christ Jesus, we are reinstated as heavenly beings with an eternal mandate. I'm going to read that again. Because God created time and is therefore outside of it and not limited by it. So we, when we are reconciled to him, he's, he has, he's our eternal father. When we are reconciled through Jesus to him, we are reinstated as heavenly beings with an eternal mandate. We actually step into our real design, our real calling. Do you understand that? <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard thing for us to understand because we are so programmed by this world. We are so programmed by the physical and the, the stuff we can feel and see while God is calling us up to a higher place to see things from his perspective. Amen? So Today we're going to talk about what that looks like. Today we're going to look at what it means to, to have the mindset of Christ. Today's message is called Eternals, which sounds a little bit like, some of you will know, one of the superhero movies that's out that apparently didn't do very well. It's about this, um, I haven't seen it, but I just read the, the caption. It's about this, apparently, these supernatural beings who live forever who came to earth to make things better and then they left the human race and to see if they can, you know, figure this out on their own. And then they don't do so well. And then over the centuries, these eternals are frustrated because why are the human beings not doing the right thing and living in peace and harmony together? Why are they killing each other? Why are they doing all these things? And then it gets so bad that they have to intervene. And then apparently the movie is about how they now intervene and they are called eternals. Now, once again, the world has taken an idea that is actually quite biblical, that God has, his son died so that through him, the people on earth can be reconciled to him so that we can live through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, the lives that we're supposed to live. And those lives will be marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, which will change the world. Can you see that? But now we need superheroes who fails because, you know, these doggone human beings are just so far gone. They can't get it right. But I'm going to show us today from the word of God that we are actually, as born again people in Christ Jesus, we are actually really eternals. And that's our identity. Amen? 
Are you a little freaked out? A little shocked? Okay. Are you with me? <laughs> okay. Does it look to you as if the average Christian in our nation, where 78 or 80% of our citizens claim to be Christians, does it look to you like the 78% lives from this truth and this revelation knowledge of who they truly are in the Son of the living God? Do, do we think that? Do we look at our country and go, yes, 80% of people must know that they are seated in heavenly places and that they are free in Christ Jesus? Come on, I can see that, yes. Do we see that? Would we like to see that? How do we get there? Start with me, myself, and I. Revival starts with me. I repent. I make right. I do what the Bible says. I start seeing the change. Then I start sharing the change, testifying. Others catch it, and we start a movement of God. Amen? That is how revival happens. It starts with personal repentance, taking responsibility for what God has given you to do. Do I have warrior Christians in the room who are willing to do this? I count about 20. Okay. That's a start. Jesus changed the world with 12. My prayer is the same as Paul's prayer that we find in Ephesians and Colossians, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened as we read the word of God and that we will receive it as life-changing truth. And then may we be filled with the boldness of the Lion of Judah to actually live from an eternity perspective instead of a carnal temporary perspective. Because if we know, hey, I was made for eternity, I will live different, differently. Because guys, knowing something and doing something is not the same. Did you know that? I think too many of us come here on a Sunday, we hear the word and we go, wow, that's amazing. And then I go home and I don't do anything about it. We need to move beyond mental ascent and get our spiritual hands dirty by, doing, by actually choosing daily to step in faith and actually do what God commands us to do. I know it sounds weird to say spiritual hands dirty, but you know what I mean. Get busy doing what God has called us to do. Amen? And it's a choice. It's a daily choice. It's a daily choice. I can tell my kids all day long, hey, do that, do this, do and they can go, yes. But how many of you parents know if you've said something and they've agreed, the action doesn't always follow? Anyone else? Just my, just my house. <laughs> and, and what is that? In essence, it's disobedience. Yeah, sure, I'll do it. And then it doesn't happen. I'll do it later. Delayed, delayed, delayed obedience is also disobedience. So to have an approach to this life that says, life is short and then you die. I can't say the other one because that's not appropriate for church. Life is short and then you die. If you have this approach, some people have this approach. Life sucks, life is short, you know, do what you can, Win what you can, whatever. This will lead to a mindset of chasing selfish, instant gratification experiences. Or 
it won't it will cause you to not realize your full potential because you'll go oh what's the point why will i even try a large part of effort and energy in this approach is spent on avoiding suffering of any kind and at any cost so people who have the mindset of life is short and then you die or life sucks or you know there's no point to life. They will do what they can for themselves and they will try to avoid suffering of any kind at all costs. The, ch the, the, the ultimate happiness is having enough money and all the comfort and convenience in the world. The only suffering that will be endured by these people will be linked to something that pleases them. So they might do certain things that are a form of suffering, but ultimately the agenda is, well, this will please my flesh, this will please me. So they might, you know, with respect, I'm not saying this is all, but let's, let's say they do like a massive endurance race. It's suffering, but there's something at the end to celebrate. I've got a medal, you know, that's what I mean. And I'm not saying don't do that, just do it for the right reasons. It's just an example. Don't write me an email, okay? This approach of life is short and there's no meaning to it is generally void of a sense of responsibility because it is void of the revelation knowledge that there is a living God who created everything and is outside of time and will one day ask of each person he created to give an account for every breath they breathed and every gift they got. They don't believe that. On the other hand, if I have a biblical faith-based approach to life, it gives a person an eternal perspective on earthly things and a heavenly hope that does not disappoint. That's what we have in Jesus. This approach brings a healthy sense of the holy fear of the Lord and an accountability because you know that one day you will stand before an eternal God on a perpetual throne who will test every work of your life with his holy fire. And this approach helps us to navigate suffering afflictions, trials, and tribulations in life because we know it's only temporary and it pales in comparison with the glory that awaits us. Can you see the two different approaches to the to world, to, the, to life? The one is completely based on thinking like this. The world, I just have this little bit of time on earth and there's no point, there's no eternity, there's no God. The other one says, no, there is a God, there is an eternal plan, and you're part of it. Can we see and agree that life choices will change when this revelation hits us? Will you agree? Okay. Now, let's turn to the Word of God. We are going to continue reading in the book of 2 Corinthians from where we left off last week. Last week when we spoke about um, the Holy Spirit healing us that where the lord where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom we're going to continue from there let's read together from 2 corinthians 4 verse 8 this is the new living translation it says we are pressed on every side by troubles but we are not crushed we are perplexed but not driven to despair we are hunted down but never abandoned by god we get knocked down but we are not destroyed through suffering, everybody say suffering. Say it like you mean it, suffering. 
our bodies continue to share, listen to this, in the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. This is Paul speaking to the church. He's saying what he and his team has gone through for them. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. Powerful. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit, he says to the church of Corinth. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving as the word of God spreads and more people get saved. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. And won't last very long. Yet, these small troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What a promise. So we don't look at the troubles we see now. We don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Someone say forever. Someone say eternity. Come on. Paul, an apostle, is talking to a church. Now, last year we did a a series on 1 Corinthians, and Paul was talking very straightforward to this church. Now he's writing a follow-up message. Last week I shared with you the sort of opening thoughts about this book and how Paul is in a position where he's been doubted. There's been a lack of trust in his leadership and his ability. All of these things have been questioned. And he is, in a big way, an overarching theme of this letter is him trying to speak to the people of Corinth and tell them that everything that he is doing is for the kingdom and for them. There's no hidden agenda. There's nothing in his selfishness at all at play. How sad it is that a leader that's laid down his life has to explain that to his church. But that's how the enemy works. He comes in ways and sows doubt and distrust and all kinds of disunity in order to do what? To stop the work of God. And if we fall for it, if we become those people who are part of the problem, then we've been hooked by the enemy. Let's not be those people, amen? So, he talks about suffering. If I share the gospel of Jesus, I will inevitably offend someone or suffer some kind of persecution, slander, hate, curses, 
And in extreme cases, we might suffer physical attack. And if we see what's happening in the world right now, the, this possibility is becoming more and more a reality that can be closer than we imagine. Based on the first part of the scripture we read, the attacks have some effect in bending us, but it can never break us. Amen? Like that scripture I prayed this morning for Israel, no weapon formed against us will prosper. So the weapons are formed, the weapons may come, they may, the attack might happen, and, and as Paul says here, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. So we, are, we might be bent, but we won't be broken. Amen? Paul says something that challenges us, especially in our comfortable Western world. He says suffering is good. Suffering for the right reason is good. Now, I must be clear. When I talk about suffering today, it's suffering for the gospel. It's not suffering because of your own stupid decisions. Okay, there's a difference. There are different kinds of suffering. The one we're talking about is because I love Jesus, because I stand up for his word, because I step out in faith, there are consequences. Are, we, are you with me? He says suffering is good. Why? Because it helps us experience something of the death of Jesus in our bodies so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. How many of you guys know the story in the book of Acts where a bunch of the disciples were, were taken by the Jewish leaders. They were brought into the, the, the courtroom and they were told to not speak the name of Jesus anymore. They were beaten with rods. They were bleeding they were full of bruises. They said to them, stop preaching Jesus. And they went out of there rejoicing and praising and being excited because they were counted worthy to suffer as Jesus suffered for Jesus. And then they continued to preach Jesus. How far, let's each ask ourselves this question, how far am I removed from that reality that I am so sold out for the kingdom of God so sold out for the for the gospel that even if they should come and beat me with sticks even if they should come and take my job away even if they should cut my salary even if they would do whatever fill in the fill in the blank if I know that I know the consequences I'm suffering is because I stood up for the gospel of Jesus Christ, am I willing to go that far? And am I willing to get excited about it? Are we there? Or are we still a long way off? I'd rather not stir. I'd rather not, you know, do that. And sometimes we get clever and we're like, yeah, you know, but the Bible says that we must be kind and gentle. Yes, that's true. But there's a moment and a time for everything. And if God said you must do something for him and you do it and there's consequences, then you should get excited. Amen? Whew, it's like a hard word, eh? Not strelling the word. He says suffering for the gospel shared with others is worth it because the result is eternal life for others. So firstly, he's, he's saying that suffering is great for me 
Because as my body is experiencing this form of dying, I can sort of link it with what Jesus went through and I can experience more of what he did. But at the same time, it, it has the result of leading others to Christ and them stepping into eternity. So the fruit of suffering for Jesus is both changing me, the individual, and it's changing the lives of those to whom I shared the gospel. Can we see that? The fruit of suffering for Jesus. I love this where he quotes Psalms and he says, I believe in God, so I spoke. My love for God made me do it. Why did you do that? I love God. Why did you say that? I love God. Are we there? Are we there as a church where our love for God trumps everything that society wants to push down our throat and make us not say or say? Are we there? May this become one of our most normal sayings. I love God, so I spoke. Temporary suffering in this world for the gospel is worth it when we know there's eternal fruit in terms of the lives of people who are saved. That's on top of the fact that we know that we will go to our eternal home as well. Amen? I want you to see this from the perspective of Paul and the perspective of the church that he's writing to because all of us are called to spread the gospel. Matthew, Matthew 28 is not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. Go into all the nations and preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them what I've taught you. What did he teach them? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, all the law and the prophets are captured in that. He taught way more than that, obviously. But if we can just get that right and teach that to people, imagine how the world can change. Amen? See why I asked you in the beginning, do you believe the word is the word of God? It's challenging, eh? Yo. Now he speaks about the fruit of God getting the glory. He says, when we suffer in our bodies for the gospel and people get saved, God gets the glory. And because people get saved and because God gets the glory, we will never give up. I don't know about you, but I will never give up. I will never stop. I will always go. I, I, will, I will preach to one person if they're willing to listen because God has called me to do this. Where are you? Where are you in your life? Will you never give up? Will you never give up on God and his gospel and the truth of the word? Ask yourself that question. How many of you guys know what a cost-benefit analysis is? You're like, sure, Heinz, I didn't know you know stuff like that. <laughs> I probably don't have the full definition, but I have a pretty good idea. Paul is giving us a cost-benefit analysis in a way. He says, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Cost, benefit. What is the cost? The cost is that my troubles that I see now in this life are so small and itty bitty, oh, my 
in comparison to the glory of God and the glory of eternity and being with Him, when I compare my troubles with that, it pales in comparison. Do you see that? And with that, I, am, I don't want to make in any way, shape, or form, make lightly of whatever you might be going through. I know that everyone has a story and a challenge and a pain and a thing that's wrong. And, and, and you might think, Jans, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my pain is. I don't, but God does. And his word is saying to you today that even as overwhelming as that thing feels to you right now, it pales in comparison to what lies ahead. And that is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? That the troubles we have in this life, I mean, he, have you read how many things Paul has gone through? He was tortured many times. He was jailed many times. He was shipwrecked. He went through so many things. There's a list in the book of Acts that lists all the stuff that he went through. And on top of that, if, if, you, if you read how his ministry started, Jesus said to Ananias, who was called to, to pray for him and to, and to get him into ministry, he said to Ananias, I will show him how many things he must suffer for my kingdom. God planned Paul's suffering. He declared it. He will suffer certain things for my kingdom. And then he suffered all these things, horrible things. He says, it's small troubles. Small. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. This too shall pass. Guys, I know. When you're in it, it sucks. It's hard, I know. But it's small and it won't last forever. But compared to the glory that God has for us. Amen? Amen? Come on. So it's a cost-benefit analysis and then he does a perspective shift. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we see now. So you are doing one thing. You are looking at your troubles. <gasps> I once saw this social media video. I think it came out in, during, uh, during COVID. This guy was sitting like normal social media videos with his guitar. And he says, I wrote a song about how my life is going. And then he plays these beautiful chords. It's like, dang it, dang it. And he goes, <gasps> And, and I think a lot of people were like, I feel your pain, bro. <laughs> I know what you mean, how my life is going. But Paul is saying to us, once again, heavenly perspective, we don't look at our troubles. We can see now. Don't use these physical eyes and your, five, your four other senses to look at your, at your world and at your immediate circumstances. Don't use those eyes. He says, rather... Do you know what the word rather means in the Greek? It means rather. It says, don't do this, do that. That's what it means. Do you understand? Are you with me? We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Paul, what are you talking about? How can I fix my gaze on something I can't, can't see? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things Hoped for the evidence of things. The evidence of things. Faith. 
That's how we do it. We fix our gaze on the things we, that cannot be seen. Why? For the things we see now will soon be gone. He's reiterating a point he's already made. It is small and it's temporary. He says, because it will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. What's another word for forever? Eternity. Who lives there? Who will live there? Eternals. Yes. Woo, catch this, catch this. A choice needs to be made to stop doing one thing. I look at my troubles and this defines my life. And I need to move it over here and say, no, I have a heavenly father who says that in Christ Jesus, I am seated in heavenly places with access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I am in this world where these troubles are, but I'm not from this world. Jesus was our example. I've said this to you many times. I'm going to say it to you again. I probably will say it many times going forward. In the book of John, we read that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, that he had come from the Father, that he was going to the Father, bent down and washed his disciples' feet. He knew where he came from, he knew where he was going, and he knew he had a mission in between. He suffered the most of any of us by dying on a cross. When he was sweating blood in the garden of Gethsemane, he knew exactly what was gonna happen. He asked the Father if there's any other way. But your will be done, not my will be done. Why? Because Jesus could see past the beatings, past the 39 lashes, past the soldiers spitting on him, cursing him, joking with him, past the death on the cross to the glory that was promised to him. He is our example in everything. And that's what Paul is saying. We must do what Jesus did. Take our eyes off of the immediate suffering and fix our gaze on what we cannot see with our physical eyes. But in our spiritual eyes, our spiritual man can see these things, amen? The small things that bother us now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Sure. If we could just believe that, and if that belief can go over into action, and if that action can, can can be two things where I, let's say me as a husband and as a father, I live that truth, that the temporary things that we are facing right now, that is small and will soon pass away. I'm not gonna focus on that. I will focus on what God has promised. Now, my language should change when I speak to my wife. My language should change when I speak to my children because what's gonna happen? The soon as I decide to live from a heavenly perspective in this world, the enemy will come and try to convince me, no, 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 I'm gonna make your circumstances look so loud and so big and so overwhelming, you're gonna doubt this word. And some of us are already in that trap or have been in that trap. No, but Heinz, you don't understand. No, but you don't know my situation. Jesus does. He wrote this word 
Paul wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. He's saying to you that whatever you are facing, it pales in comparison to the glory that awaits. Do not spend more time, energy on the noise of your immediate stuff. I'm not saying don't take care of what you need to take care of in terms of what God is doing. Also assess that what you are suffering is this suffering linked to me being a Christian spreading the gospel or is this suffering of another kind? Some of us need to maybe go and repent before God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry that I allowed this into my life. I'm sorry I made that decision. I'm sorry I hurt that person. Some of us are suffering because we sit with unforgiveness. Some of us are suffering because we sit with bitterness. No, but you don't know what that person did. I can never forgive them. The Bible says if you don't forgive, God can't forgive you. It's that simple. Two Corinthians five. We continue. Remember, the Bible wasn't written originally in chapters and verses, so this continues from from chapter four. Two Corinthians five. For we, he says, for because he's continuing the same thought that we've been reading up until now. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we, we will have a house in heaven. Everybody say, house in heaven. Get excited about it. An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Woo! You have an eternal body that you can get excited about. How many of you are excited about that? <laughs> We grow weary in our present bodies. Who can say amen to that? Yes, sometimes I feel weary. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Anyone who wondered, am I going to be a little baby on a cloud with a harp? Will I just be like a ghost floating around? We all will receive a resurrected body the same as Jesus did. He is our example in all things. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. Especially some people that you might know groan and sigh a little bit more than others. Once again, Paul is not referring to groaning and sighing because you're a complainer. He's referring to groaning and sighing because he's suffering for the gospel. But we all do have these moments where we are selfish and therefore we groan. We are selfish and therefore we sigh. Come on. Thank you for being honest, Omar. But it's not that we want to die. Listen to this. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, there's that word again. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he's given us the Holy Spirit. So we are always confident. Say confident. Say I am confident in Jesus. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Another translation says we live by faith and not by sight. What did he just tell us earlier in the previous chapter? Exactly that. 
don't see with your physical eyes. Fix your gaze on, inter- on eternal things. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies so that we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, look at what the goal is. The goal is to please Him, our Father. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Huh? Don't judge me. Don't you judge me. Who do you think you are? Sorne. There's a day where we, we, we will all be judged by Jesus. No, but Jesus loves everybody. Yes, but he's a just God. He's the son of the holy God who has set the standard and has given us the way to live to that standard. If you do not choose to accept him and his way, then your judgment day might not go that well. The good news is that those who come before Jesus in this moment, most of them will be saved. But God has written down the plans of your life for your whole life, Psalm 139. There's a plan for your life. And you might get to the judgment seat and you have done 30% of what God planned and that's written in the book. And you spend 70% on what the Bible calls wood and straw. And when the holy fire of God comes, it burns that stuff away. And the works that are left, the silver and the gold, the 20% that you did, God will go, where's the rest? And then your reward in heaven is dependent on that test. Some of us will make it just, just. You gaan in glijs. Yo! I don't know about you, but I, I want to fulfill every item that Jesus wrote for my life. And I want to do it to the fullness. And I want to stand there before him one day and not let anything be straw or wood or hay or anything like that. But let everything be gold and silver unto him. Amen. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those things, who, those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, woohoo, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Yo. Christ's love controls me. 
I think if we can remember two things from Paul today, it's that I love God, therefore I spoke. Christ's love controls me. It links up those two. If I love him, I will be controlled by his love. Amen? Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Yo, that's good. I'm gonna read it again. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone. Everyone say everyone. He died for everyone. So that those who receive, that's an if statement, those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Like of a kushvela. They will no longer live for themselves. Instead, that's like rather. Instead of living for themselves, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You can see that Paul loves the gospel. He brings it in every time. Sure. This is so powerful. Paul is almost speaking about an out-of-body experience. He's so keenly aware the fact that he is a spiritual being in a physical body, that he's almost like he's, he's looking ahead to that glorious body that he will receive, but he knows that there's work that needs to be done right now. And the, the small problems of this world that's attacking his body, I mean, he's got real pain. He's been really chained. He's been really done things to him that are Hurt, that hurts his body and hurts his feelings and hurts everything that is physical and soul. But because he has gotten to that place where he completely lives from his spirit man, he has the sense of what is coming. And he, and he, and he almost feels like, Yo, man, there are days when I just want to get that new body. <laughs> and I'm sure we all have had those moments. And we sense a certain level of frustration in his writing. But he knows it's temporary. What's exciting about what he says is that God has prepared us for this. What does preparation mean? It means God took time. He thought about it. He made a plan. And he has a plan for you. He he has prepared these bodies for us. He's prepared this place for us. He's given us a eternal destiny and he says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of that wow I think we don't even understand how important it is that we receive the Holy Spirit are baptized in the Holy Spirit and do every day with the Holy Spirit Jesus said I have to go so that the helper can come so how important do you think the Holy Spirit is We live by faith and not by sight, he says. Believing is seeing in the kingdom of God. What does the world say? No, 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 seeing is believing. I will believe it when I see it. Anyone heard that before, said that before? How does the kingdom work? No, I believe, therefore I see. The only way to live the way Paul describes is to live not by what we see, like the small problems, but to live by faith in the unseen things you know are true because God said so. If God said so, I don't have to see it. I believe by faith. 
that I will see it. Like the fact that we are seated in heavenly places with access to every spiritual blessing. Believe it. Even though you don't see it with these eyes, see it with your spiritual eyes. Pray daily that God will help you to see who you really are and where you really are seated. For we must all stand before Jesus' judgment. We will all receive something in line with what you did or didn't do, said or didn't say, all based on whether it was in line with the will of God. Jesus says, that he wants us to hear his teachings and do them. And the one who hears and does them is like the man who built his house on the rock. The winds came, the storms came, but the house stood. Why? Because the foundation was strong. But the foundation is obedience to the word. That's the foundation. The foundation isn't, I believe in Jesus. No. The foundation is, I believe in Jesus and therefore I do what he says. That's the foundation. The house on the sand is the house that's built on someone who's heard Jesus but doesn't do what he says. That's the, then the storms come and the destruction of the house was great. Paul speaks of a fearful responsibility. Not words that, you know, sound too great to us. Like fearful responsibility. Ugh. What is that about? But Paul is so aware of his great commission to preach the gospel and he has a clear understanding of how eternally important it is. He does not take the call he received that fateful day on the road of Damascus lightly. He has become, it has become his all-consuming life passion. And he's so aware, he's so aware of what God wants that that's all that he lives for. May that be an absolute inspiration to us. That I, the value, the things that I value, the things that I deem as important will come from God and I will live from that place. Amen? And then he said, Christ's love controls us. Wow. If anything were to control us, if anything were to control my decisions, the way I live, let it be the love of Christ. What's the main thing that the love of Christ should control? I believe it's this, our tongues. What comes out of here? Where does it come from? Guys, words have power. So much power, it causes wars. Let us speak only when Christ leads. Let us speak from a place of love. And then finally he said, we all have died to our old life. He said he died for everyone so that those who receive his, his new life will no longer live for themselves. If you are with me, will you just say, I will no longer live for myself. Instead, I will live for Christ who died and was raised for me. Amen. Let us stand and respond to the word of God today. There were two main things that Paul focused on. He focused on having an eternal perspective based on who we are in Christ about suffering. 
suffering for Jesus, suffering for the gospel. And he spoke about this tension between our earthly bodies and the heavenly bodies that we can look forward to. How will each of us choose to view suffering temporarily for the gospel from now on? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come and help you to live with an eternal mindset, with a focus on I am, I was made for eternity. I was made for a heavenly body. That is my destiny in God's name. Will I therefore rather look at my challenges and my struggles as small, temporary things that pales in comparison to the glory that awaits? Will we do that today? Will you make peace with the dying of your mortal body while on earth, knowing that it's something of what Christ went through, that as this body goes through tough stuff and deteriorates or whatever it might be, that you know it is temporary? And will we each choose to stop living for ourselves and rather start living for the gospel so that others can receive Jesus? Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.